0: Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. To kind of bring some correction, to realign, to come back to what was really important. We are in this weird kind of season right now in the world where we've never been before, we've never experienced before, a global pandemic like this in in our lifetime, which has actually given us the opportunity to reassess, to recalibrate, to think again, what is actually important to us as a people? What is important to God? So I'm thankful for the, the opportunity that the Ephesians got to, to kind of sit back and think, okay, we've got this and we're doing this, but we've missed this. And we've got to come back to this. We've got to, Because all of that goes out the window unless we love Jesus. Unless we have this love for Him that is being inspired and motivated within us. And so we get this opportunity globally as the church to, to, to stop and to think, you know, what, what is it that is important to God in this moment? The, the, the blessing in COVID particularly in what happened with our lockdown and our shutdown, where our services stopped, where our programs stopped, where all of the things that we were doing stopped. You know what the blessing in that was? That we could look back and we can say, what's really important? What really matters to God? Because we can get lost in the activity we can get lost in the programs. We can become dependent on the structures. We can become dependent on, on someone else to do it for us. But COVID gave us this opportunity to stop and assess and say, what actually is important? It made us ask the question, if, if you're not in a, in a corporate service and you don't have a worship leader, can you still worship God? Or do you need someone to, to lead you to that place of worship? If we can't meet together to pray, will you still pray? If we can't meet together and someone teach from the scriptures, are you able to connect with God and and search the scriptures for yourself? Or are we reliant and dependent on others to kind of feed us? I'm not saying that the corporate gathering, I'm not saying that worship together, prayer together, the the reading of the word, teaching of the word is, is no longer important, I think it still is, but... What is really important is that we have relationship with Jesus for ourselves, not via proxy, not via someone else, not via our pastor, our life group leader, not via anyone else, our parents, our spouses, but by ourselves. We have relationship with Jesus. At the start of the COVID shutdown, I felt like God was was kind of showing us as a church three particular things that he was going to say, he was kind of showing up in us. One was how well have we discipled people to engage with God for themselves? Without a pastor, without a life group leader, how well have we taught people, equipped people to engage with Jesus for themselves? How well The second thing, how well have we taught and equipped people to engage with the body of Christ for themselves? So when there's no Christian calendar, when there's no church event, how well can you connect with other believers? Do you have the initiative? Do you see that as something that's important to encourage each other? If that is broken and taken away, then how, how well have we taught each other to do that? And the third thing, how well have we equipped and and, and released people to be able to engage with the world for themselves? So when the outreach program's not running, when the evangelistic program's not running, are you able to engage with your neighbor for yourself? What a great opportunity to look at what's taking place. And then to readjust and refocus and recalibrate how we engage with ministry, how we engage with God and how we engage with the world. The book of this letter to the Ephesians gives them the opportunity. And I said it before. I think, you know, sometimes we just don't have that perspective. We get stuck. We get in the motion. We're just going through the motions. How many times have you been to church? How many Sundays if you added it up? I've started praying every Sunday. God, I've been coming here for the last couple of years every Sunday. But I've never been in this moment. I've never been in this Sunday. And God, I don't want to become familiar with your presence because I'll go through the motions. I'm just stuck in autopilot. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to sing one fast song. going to sing a couple of slower songs. Someone's going to get up, introduce yourself, welcome everyone, throw to church news. Someone's going to get up, preach. We're going to finish, go have some tea and coffee. I, I kind of know what's going to happen. I don't want to come with that mindset that, God, I, I'm, I'm stopping you already from the encounter that you want to have with me. I don't want to go through the motions. And it's easy to get stuck in that. I imagine like the, the Ephesians, you know, they get, get this letter from Jesus. And can you imagine the buzz? Hey, guys, we've got a letter from Jesus. Jesus has actually given us something personally. Okay, Shirley, go and get, gather the whole church. We're going to have a, a reading of this letter. Shirley goes and Shirley's like, how do I get the whole church together? Well, obviously, you have to do a sausage sizzle. The only way that you can gather the whole church is to do a sausage sizzle. We're going to do a sausage sizzle, and and we'll just say it's the AGM. We're going to have an annual general meeting. Shirley's like, someone asks, is it a voting meeting? No, it's not a voting meeting, Shirley. We're going to read a letter from Jesus. They got the letter from Jesus. And as you would, as an honest and integrous pastor who is about to read that letter to the congregation, you'd have a little peek I see the works you have done. Yep, good. Faithful endurance, yes. Okay, we can read this. Gary, live stream this please. On Insta, Facebook, Twitter, if that live streams. We've got the whole world to see this. Particularly the church in Laodicea. who uh, We just keep hearing about all the stuff they're doing in the community. We want them to see our little letter that we got from Jesus. Starts to read it out. Oh yes, what does it say? I know all the things you do. He sees. He sees all of our programs, our activity. He sees all the things we're doing. Yay. I see your hard work and your patience, endurance. He knows. He notices. Do you see that? We've been standing firm, firmly standing. I see that you, you, you've examined those claims of the apostles and, and you know that they're not. He knows that we're discerning. We're in the Word of God. We know the truth. He can see it. You've patiently suffered without quitting. Yeah, we have. You're welcome, Jesus. But I have this complaint against you. Gary, stop the live stream. It's at that point. We want everyone to see the perspective that we think of ourselves. But when Jesus says there's some stuff that needs to change, do you know how much of a gracious gift this is? This is a gracious gift of God. And he says there, this is what Jesus says to them. I have this complaint against you. You have abandoned the love you once had, the love you had at first. Look how far you have fallen. Look how far you have fallen. Remember. Remember. And repent. Thank you, God, for giving us your perspective. Because we can see it in one way, but when God points it out and shows us, that is grace. That is grace. To allow us to just continue down the wrong path would be so bad. But he says there, he says there, come back to that love. Can I ask you? Can I ask you, where is your heart for Jesus right now? That long lost love. And I'm not talking in a romantic sense. I think we've we've You know, we've done a disservice to the idea of love for God by romanticizing it. Some of the songs that that are written now, and I know they're written out of a revelation of, of experience with God, but they sound more like Jesus is my boyfriend than Jesus is a holy God and I love him because he is mighty and he is powerful and he is glorious. And it's more like, I just want to come and cuddle you, Jesus. It's not a romantic type of love. It, it, the, the word is agape. It's a, a full love. It's a love you with everything that I have. It's an I love, I, I love to worship you. I love to, to honor you. I love to praise you. I don't know if you've ever gone through the motions in church, in community, in faith, and, and you, you, you find yourself doing the stuff, and you're, you're in the right groups, and you, you raise your hands at the right time, but your heart starts to go cold. Where where the love that you once had for Jesus, it it, it kind of, it's just not there anymore. And this church seems so busy and active, but they missed it. All of that is good. I'm not saying it's not. But what's the, the best thing is their heart for God. If it's not inspiring us to love Jesus and love other people better, then let's reassess. And perhaps that's, a, that's an invitation to me personally to reassess in my life what is inspiring me to love Jesus more. You know, I don't want you to leave this place today and say, wow, that worship was great. That was a good message. I want you to leave this place today and say, I love Jesus. And what took place in that room just motivated me and showed me a different aspect of him so that I could love him even more. And I want to love people. Because it's not about us trying to entertain anyone; it's about us helping, to, uh, helping facilitate encounters with Jesus that will change and transform us. I was once invited to speak in a, in a, uh, another church, and as I was I was in worship. This was such a heart check for me, and you know? I I didn't think my motivation was wrong, but the Holy Spirit just pointed some stuff out, and I was I was about to get get up and speak, and it was during worship. And I was thinking, how do I introduce myself? Never been here before. No one knows me. How do I? How do I tell? You know, how do I introduce myself? What do I say? I'm a person. I'm a pastor. I'm got a wife and kids. Well, how do I do that? Never done it before. And at that point in worship, I'm not thinking. I'm not. I'm I'm distracted from focusing on the presence of God, and I'm thinking about how do I, I introduce myself. And I felt the Holy Spirit just check my heart and say, Who cares if they remember your name? It's not about you anyway. And from that point, I thought, you know what? It's not about me. And when I leave this place, if they don't remember who I am, good. As long as they, uh, they leave this place with a greater appreciation for Jesus, then I've done my job. And from that point, I'm like, it's not about me. It's about Him. And I'll point people to Him, proclaim His goodness, proclaim His mercy, proclaim His grace, so that people leave with a greater appreciation of Jesus. I had a pastor once say to me, What are you doing to build your platform? And I said, We're doing that now. What do you mean? Well, how are you getting followers so that you can, you know, get engaging speaking engagements and different things? And I'm like, What? We're doing that now? We're building our platforms? We want our names out there? Seriously, we've missed it. Like, that is not good. Follow Jesus. I don't care if you follow me. Follow Jesus. We've got to point people to Jesus. And our walk with Him should, should inspire love for Him. To bring about a greater love for Him. And I'm speaking to men as well. Because it was Jesus actually spoke directly to men about loving Him. It's not just a feminine thing to love Jesus. It's actually a human thing to love Jesus. To have this love and this awe for Him. Where is your heart right now for Jesus? He says that thing. He says, remember. Remember. Go back to. Remember. Let me say this. Don't forget to remember. I said Ephesians is good because it gives us the... uh, you know, we can actually look at the history of Ephesus. And as I went back to uh, to the, the start of the Ephesian church in Acts 19, there's a few things there that I want to draw out that I guess can help us to, to as we reassess, as we relook what really is important. Acts 19 verse 1. So as he says to them, remember where you started. Remember the love you once had. Go back to the start of the church. Acts 19 verse 1, it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. These are believers, disciples who are in Ephesus. And when Paul comes to them, he says, Did you receive the Spirit? No, we didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? Well, we, 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 they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John told himself, himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. 12 believers in the region of Ephesus at that point hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. When Paul came, told them they were filled with the Spirit. What's important? we got to be filled with the Spirit of God. To go back to that, to remember that the power of Pentecost. To remember the Spirit of God being poured out upon his church. That was the birth of the church, Acts chapter 2. It was birth when the Spirit was poured out. Let's not forget the importance of being filled with the Spirit. If we're not filled with the Spirit, then what are we full, full of? We're full of ourselves. We've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. We can't move away from that. That is important. That is something that, that God is bringing, back to, back, bringing us back to. Don't forget the importance of being filled with the Spirit. Do not forget the importance of being filled with the Spirit. He then goes on and he says, uh, Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. He comes into this region, prays for those that are are believers. They're filled with the Spirit, and then he goes to teach. He first goes to the synagogue, the place where, where you think it would be received. And for three months he's teaching and then it's rejected. And so he leaves and goes to the lecture hall of Tyrannus, which was uh, like a public space where the influences of the town would go and teach. And Paul took the teaching to the space where people were in the community and started to teach for two days, two years daily. For two years, every day. He would go and teach about what? The kingdom of God. For two years. If you're a life group leader and you're thinking, man, I've been talking about this stuff for years and no one's getting it. I think Paul can relate. For two years, he started teaching and teaching day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Teaching about the principles of the kingdom of God. And if you understand the spiritual climate of Ephesus, you know, there there are uh, different gods that are being worshipped. There are different ways that people are worshipping gods. And Paul's kind of deconstructing and laying foundation that this is the way of the kingdom. This is the king. Jesus has come. He is the one. For two years before they see anything take place. You know, there is something about faithfully committing yourself to ministry in a space. We want the overnight revival. God just come bang. Sometimes God says, You are you committed to that space? Are you committed to Ellenbrook? Are you committed to, to sowing and serving and sacrificing year after year after year after year and not seeing much? Are you committed to it? Because if you are, if I can trust you to love that place enough that I can trust you with the revival that I want to break out to steward it well to care for the people that are there for two years he taught he taught he taught and then what takes place is is, uh, after that we see that there's these miracles that start to take place handkerchief healing all of this stuff is going on in Ephesus and after the two years of teaching about the kingdom of God, a clash happens. It says, about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek god Artemis, goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy, he called them all together. And he said, gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business, but you've seen and heard this man Paul is persuading people that our handmade gods aren't real gods at all. I'm concerned, he says, that, that the worship of Artemis is going to lose its influence. Look what's taking place. He's preaching about the real king, the real kingdom, and all of a sudden Demetrius, who makes these little handmade gods, of this, this pretend god Artemis starts to get worried why because when the kingdom comes our kingdom has to go Demetrius' livelihood is threatened by the kingdom of God and he's like oh and the kingdom of Artemis it's at threat right now as well we're worried about this because if he keeps preaching about this king and this kingdom, people are turning away from this. We can't sell our pretend gods anymore, and Artemis won't get worshipped. Hello? Kingdom revival starts to break out. When we start preaching about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the church, When we start making disciples of Jesus, not disciples of the church, we're not talking about churchianity, we're talking about Christianity, where we follow Jesus, not the the customs, the religions, the the practices of the church. Where we follow Jesus and we preach the kingdom, then there is a clash that comes. What's happening right now in Ellenbrook? The kingdom of God is coming. And the powers of evil, the forces of darkness are starting to get shaky. Because those little goddess, those little gods, those little handmade things that they worship are starting to be challenged. Are we committed to continue to preach the kingdom, to preach Jesus, to keep giving people opportunity to come to Him? Are we committed to this? Demetrius, everything breaks out, and what happens next is there's a riot in Ephesus. This little handful of people turn the whole city upside down. Because they're committed to the things that are important, the things that matter to Jesus. They were filled with the Spirit. They taught the Word of God. They went out and taught about the kingdom. They were f- faithful. They were committed. They continued on. And the whole of Ephesus was turned upside down. Let's get these guys out of here. They're shaking things up too much. It's crazy. You go back to the re- to Remember. Hey, Ephesus, remember where you started. You started in revival. You started with power. You started with the Word. And you started with love. And here's the thing. We can have the Spirit. We can have the Word of God. And we can still have pride and ego. You know, learning the Word of God isn't meant to give you a bigger head. It's meant to give you a bigger heart. A bigger heart for God. Being filled with the Spirit is not meant to feed your ego, but to fuel your go. To give you the power to go, to make disciples, to preach the Word, to be filled with the Spirit so that we can go. Remember back. Today, maybe you're here and you you feel like, you know what, I've lost that. I've lost the zeal. I've lost the passion. I've lost the love for Jesus. Well, remember back. Remember back to when you first encountered Him. Remember back to those moments when, you, when something happened where He did something in your world and you think, God, thank you for that. Remember, look back. Don't forget to remember. Don't forget to look back on those moments. When I was, I can't even remember how old I was. I should remember. I'm just telling everyone to remember. I can't even remember. I've got a bad memory. I remember the moment, not how old I was. I was at this Youth Alive rally, and I brought my sister to it, and I've been praying for my sister, praying for my sister, praying for my sister for years, and she finally comes along to this Youth Alive rally, and there's like you know, 5,000 people there, and this guy preaches the word, and then he, he gives an altar call, and I'm like praying, man, I want my sister to encounter Jesus. I want my sister to just know Jesus. I want my sister to know Jesus. She responds to this altar call. She goes down the front. She's prayed for. I burst into tears. And I'm not talking about like a little weeping tears. I'm not even talking about ugly crying. I'm talking about I could not stop crying. I was sobbing. There's a pastor with us. He looks at me. He, he's like, what is going on here? He, he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. But I can't stop crying. Because I remember what Jesus did in my life. And I've been wanting it for her for so long. And I was like, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, there are people that come into this place every week that haven't met Jesus before. And we may think, oh, we know what's happening. We're, We're familiar with this. But I hear testimonies of people who come in here and they experience the presence of God for the first time. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're still alive. Thank you that you're still ministering. Thank you that you're still moving that love that you once had, maybe today you've got to cast your mind back to think back on what it was that sparked it in you. If you're cold, if you're feeling dry, to remember back to those moments when God inspired, spoke to you, ministered to you, encountered you, to remember back. Pastor Andrew, would you just come and share that dream that you had the other night? We shared this at our encounter service, and it like sparked me because I was thinking and praying into, uh,
1: you know, what to speak this week. Praise God. All right, I like Paul. I have sheets so I don't ramble today to keep me. I don't know about you, you know, but um, when I dream, which isn't that often, that I remember what I dream about. But when it is, it's something about work years ago, how I got to the office. I've forgot the keys, I've driven 30 miles to go and open the, the depot up and all the things like that, and it's just one of those rambling th- sort of dreams. Often I can't remember any dreams, but just under two weeks ago, I had a dream that was quite amazing. I've never had a dream like it in my life ever before, and um, I just have the joy this morning to sharing just for a couple of minutes about this dream. It was about two o'clock in the morning, as I say, just under two weeks ago that I, I woke up in the middle of a dream. And in this dream, I can only say it must have been the Holy Spirit. was taking me to different stages of my life. At the age of 14, when I first committed my life to Jesus, and whoever it was with me in the dream said, what do you see? And then, Two years skip forward to age 16, when I was absolutely, as Pastor Scott has just talked about, just so filled with the Holy Spirit. I just they carried me back to the chalet at AOG conference and dumped me there for another two or three hours. I can't remember much about it, but I just knew God had done something in my life, so amazing. And then it went through. I, I, I put this. I don't even want to do this this morning so many experiences one after the other Uh, and about two o'clock I woke and I thought what's going on after every single thing that I was shown the question was asked what do you see Uh, to I said two o'clock I woke up and I must have gone back off to sleep again and you know sometimes you carry on with the dream and the dream carried on and, and and it it got more up to that it was like in chronological order led me right through year by year when we when we our first church we actually built the building and I remember showed me the opening day and the joy there was in my heart when we opened this building and everybody said this could not be done this little tiny church could not build a brand new building in the town and the day we opened it there was such a joy in my heart and what do you see right the way through my life here our time in worship in the in the 80s and the 90s and the conferences and all the things we were involved in in music and different things and teaching going on the radio doing radio uh, programs and things like that and and, and and it was like what Andrew what do you see what do you see right up to, to date in 2004 we went to Spain and we church planted in Spain and and pastored in Spain for a number of years before we came to Australia. And every time I was shown something, shown this encounter, shown this thing, I was asked the question, what do you see? At about three o'clock, I, I woke up and the, I left Wendy sleeping and, and I went into the lounge room and just sat there and prayed and it was just amazing and the the, the last thing that really uh, as part of this dream was the question was asked will you come back to your first love what what do you see will you come back to your first love well on the encounter night last Monday night it was quite amazing because firstly um, Pastor Josh said from the front, after the worship time, he said, uh, I believe there's somebody in here trying to work out what God is saying. <laughs> and straight away I knew it was me. And then he said, I really believe we're coming into the times uh, of Joel where dreams and visions will be filling the church and young men and old men and young women will dream dreams and visions and, and, and just do these things. And And I just suddenly in my heart, this this thing jumped and skipped, and I thought, wow. You know, and then he said, has anybody here got an experience or want to share anything about a dream? And I just propelled myself forward. I think, wow. And basically cutting this short. I just want to encourage you this morning. You know, oh, God, give us dreams and visions may we be able to to receive by the holy spirit these things because as i as i as i sat in the lounge and uh, waited for the dawn to come up and i was sort of praying i really sensed the holy spirit say to me andrew you have experienced all of these things all of these encounters for such a time as this for such a time because when since we came to australia 3 years ago and and Pastor Scott will know this more than anybody in here because I've, I've chewed his ears a few times about it I really wanted to play it safe didn't want to get involved in stuff that I didn't want to get involved in and then your message last week what's in your hand it's all part of this I think what God is doing and I just want to encourage you this morning you know all through our lives we've had people that are still on the sidelines and clapped us and said come on come on you two you can do this you can do it you can do this you can do it you know I don't want to play safe anymore I don't want to just be safe because all our life we've been risk takers we've done things on the edge we've we got to another nation with nothing given up jobs and company cars and pensions and things and just gone and done stuff this is the the life that God has called us into being risk takers and I want to announce before all of you this morning I do not want to be a non risk taker anymore I want to be a risk taker I want to be doing what God's called me to do part of it is prayer I know that but I don't want to be as Pastor Scott has just again revealed in his word this morning, I don't want to be just doing normal church anymore. I want to be in a place where God is moving and challenging and things are happening. And when we come with it, what's going to happen this week? What's God going to do this week? What's God going to do with me? And if God's called us here into this church, into Australia, just to be encouraged, to stand on the sidelines and to cheer you as you do the dream that God has put in your heart, then maybe that's what we're here to do. But I challenge you this morning, challenge you this morning. He said, come back, Andrew, come back to that first love. Come back to the, the way you felt when, you, when at the age of 16, you desperately wanted to be in the prayer meeting. And yes, they were all in their 60s and 70s, but didn't matter. I just wanted to find out more about Jesus. I want those days to be the same again. At age 69, I want to be doing those things that God wants me to be doing. I want to be a risk taker. I don't want to be a pew, a pew a seater. I want to be a risk taker. And whatever that is, I pray that God will reveal it. And for you, dream big. Dream big. Amen.
0: Thank you. <clears throat> the passion, you know, that I want to have that same zeal, that same passion, that same fervor. When I first encountered Jesus to now. Let me me finish with this. Jesus gives them this this call. He says, repent, beautiful gift, or I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. If you want to do this without me, then I'll let you. If you want to do the activity, the ministry, you want to go through the motions, Without me, then I'll take my presence. What a sobering thought. And and here is what I ask us today. If he removed his presence, would we notice? If he said, I'm going to take her, how bad would that be to go through the motions? And he's already taken, withdrawn. And we just keep going and keep going and keep going because we know what we're doing and we've got it all nailed. Christianity, or a Christian, without Christ is just an Ian. Not you, Ian Savage. (laughs) You're a good Ian. A Christian... Without Christ, is just an Ian. A church without the presence of God is a social club. Are we content with where we are, or do we want to pursue the presence of God with such hunger? You know, I I, I see. Sundays when we gather, life groups when we gather, whatever when we gather, with such hunger and humility for the presence of God, that it doesn't matter what is sung, it doesn't matter what is spoken, that we seek, we pray, there is fervor, there is faith, there is such fire. And I'm not talking about uh, an introvert, extrovert type of thing. I'm talking about a passion that cannot be contained because we love Jesus. Where we don't have to consider the, the, the type of coffee we got because the presence of God is what we're coming for. You know, are we okay with, with church without Jesus? I'll remove your lampstand. Think about this. The, the question that most people have right now is, and the, the thought, I want to choose heaven. I want heaven. Let me ask you the question. If you, if you had heaven without all of the benefit, but only Jesus, Would you want heaven? Or do we want heaven because it comes with all of the, the benefits? Those things only come because of the presence of God. No, I, I, I just don't want to choose hell. Hell's a real place. Hell's a real, uh, a, real, a real space. The choice that we are given is not do you choose heaven or do you choose hell? The choice that we are given is will you respond to Jesus and in responding to Him, be caught up in the presence of God, which is heaven. Because hell in its, with all the torment, with all the punishment, the greatest torment is the separation from God eternally. Moses was asked this question. He's having this encounter with with God in in Exodus 33. And God says to him, you guys aren't listening. You're stiff-necked. You're rebellious. You know what? You can have the promised land. Go. But I'm not coming. This is God saying to Moses, you can have all the benefits. You can have the fruit. You can have the promised land. You can have all of those good things that you want, but I'm not coming. Test the heart. And Moses says, if you're not going, I'm not going. Because what are we without your presence? Who are we as a people if we do not have the presence of God? I don't just want the benefit. I don't want the fruit. I want the person of Jesus. I want my heart to be enamored with Him. For my attention to be His. For my heart to continuously be shaped and transformed in love for Him. Take the benefit. Are we okay with none but Jesus? We sung that song, none but Jesus. Well, what if you had nothing but Jesus? Would you be content? COVID, what a gift to us to reassess, to rethink, to look at. And all of those things that we thought were the problem, all the distractions. Well, I just don't have time to worship. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to do that. They were all gone. And then it shows up what's really in our hearts, that we're distracted internally. Our focus and our attention go towards all these other things, particularly internally, looking into ourselves, pride and arrogance and ego and what we can feed and fuel ourselves with. And when people are like that together, it feeds this egotistical kind of thing, which isn't Jesus. Let's remember. Let's realign